If you're like me, you care about getting the most from your workouts, which means wearing the finest performance gear. You know, fabric that dries quickly and has superior moisture wicking properties. Fabric so soft and comfortable, you could, well, curl up and sleep in it. Introducing Sheeks, spelled S-H-E-E-X, the world's first performance bedding line. Sheeks began when two former elite athletes and coaches had an aha moment, combining everything we love about quality performance fabric with everything we love about comfortable, irresistible bedding. Unlike traditional sheets that trap heat, sheiks are breathable, so you aren't constantly waking up to throw off covers or add a blanket. So you sleep deeper, longer, and better. And sheiks bedding looks as good as it feels. Colors and styles that can match any decor at a price that will pleasantly surprise you. And right now, you can try sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Just go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212. This is our number one for the World According to Zig podcast. For March 26, 2017, my name is John Ziegler. I'm the host of this program where we talk about the news of the week and the events of my often bizarre life and where we provide you with a full two-hour oasis of honesty and rationality in the desert of insanity and deceit, which is the American media, cultural, and political landscape. In hour number two, if you listen to one interview that I've ever done on this podcast, make it this interview. I don't even care if you have no real interest in the overall subject matter, which is the whole so-called Penn State scandal. This was a fascinating interview that in a remotely rational world would blow apart the entire mythology that the news media has created about that case over the last five and a half years, which resulted in the conviction on Friday of the former president of Penn State, Graham Spanier, a trial which I attended. I tell the full story, and I interviewed John Snedden, the former Federal Investigative Services special agent who fully investigated all of this for the federal government in order to reconfirm Graham Spanier's top-secret security clearance and found, shockingly, that everything you were told in the news media was false. There was no cover-up at Penn State. Make sure you listen to hour number two for that. Now, you know it's a big week in the political news world when... The FBI director publicly announcing that the president of the United States is under investigation for colluding with Russia in our election is probably the second biggest story and the second most damaging story in a rational world to our president of the week. But that's where we are in 2017, not even 100 days into the Trump administration. The big story I think everyone would probably agree is the healthcare debacle that after time and time and time again, spouting the mantra on the campaign trail, I will repeal and replace Obamacare. Having been told that he's a great negotiator, a man who, you know, remember with me, it's just works, you know, it's magic. Everything's magic. He understands people. He understands politicians. No one can work the system like Donald J. Trump. He promised us this. He would put the best people in charge. He's a great negotiator. After all, 
He put his name on a book called The Art of the Deal, even though he didn't write it. It's all a bunch of bull crap. But the reality is, that's what we were told. This was going to happen because we had the House, we had the Senate, we've got the presidency. It's just a matter of letting the magic take hold. Because we're going to win. We're going to win so much, we're going to get tired of winning, we were told. And it turns out, we don't even get a vote in the House. Forget about a vote in the Senate. Forget about a vote in conference or a vote on a finer, final bill. Uh-uh. We don't even get a vote in the freaking House of Representatives. It's polled at the last minute for fear of humiliation. And, of course, Trump fears nothing more than humiliation. So he decided to pull the, the vote along with uh, Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House, the reality is, had it gone to a vote, there's a very good chance it would have gotten slaughtered because the only thing keeping the bill even remotely alive was the idea that it might pass. And so it was one of these classic situations where if Trump had gotten close, if he had gotten within a stone's throw, he probably, if he was remotely good at his job, could have gotten it over the finish line. Because at that point, no one wants to be on the losing side. No one wants to torpedo the first big legislative agenda item for the new president. Everyone's afraid of Trump and his Twitter feed. So at that point, you're, you're, this thing was either going to pass by one vote or it was going to get slaughtered. And, and because the perception was there was no chance of saving it, it would have gotten slaughtered because the bill appealed to nobody. It was not conservative enough cons- for conservatives. It was not liberal enough for moderates. Democrats weren't even going to think about supporting Trump on anything. And so, therefore, the margin for error was very small. But in Trump's defense, who knew health care was so complicated? Nobody knew this except everybody other than Donald Trump, who amazingly, infamously actually made that statement that I just referred to, which doesn't get nearly enough play. The idea that Donald Trump, the president of the United States, said, you know, no one knew that health care was this complicated uh, is really of all the things that he said, and he said a lot of crazy things, almost you know, probably an average of one or two a day uh, during his administration. That, to me, is the one that should stick more than anything. Because that is flat-out delusional. That is a, That shows abject ignorance to the basics of politics, of human reality, of the nature of the subject matter. All I know is what's on the Internet. Yeah, you know, that's, that's the reality of it. I love the poorly educated. The, and he loves himself. So you do the math on that one. He, has, he had no idea what he was doing here. None. And he got his head handed to him. And... And in classic cult-like fashion, his followers are not punishing him at all. At least there's no indication yet. We haven't seen any real polling on it as of yet. But anecdotally, it sure seems as if his cult-like following is figuring out any way they can not to blame him for this. It's Paul Ryan's fault. Or my favorite, which was even spoken about by my wife this morning, which scared the bejesus out of me because I thought, uh-oh, I'm going to have to find an antidote for this 
this Trump cult virus stat because I'm in big trouble. I need a vaccine. If she's if my wife, who's about to give birth, I might be screwing with her mind. I mean, it's clear. I mean, she'll be the first to acknowledge her, her IQ has dwindled dramatically because she's about to give birth. So she's now in, in Trumpster land where she actually says to me, do you think it's possible that Trump wanted the bill to fail because he thought it was a bad idea? Oh, oh, it's just flat out ridiculous. Uh, no, that's what a Trump cult member says, because they're desperately trying to figure out a way not to come to the conclusion that their hero is a fraud, that the emperor has no clothes, that he's not what he claimed to be. And his number one promise is never going to be fulfilled unless, by the way, it's fulfilled in a way that's going to be the exact opposite of what anybody remotely conservative or remotely Republican would have wanted. Because I think there's a very decent scenario we're headed for something worse than Obamacare. Because Trump's plan, and he tweeted about this yesterday, which in theory, while it's terrible for the country, politically is not a bad plan. In, in fact, politically, it's better than passing this pile of crap. Because this pile of crap would have cost, in my opinion, the Republican Party, the majority in Congress, for sure. Because there was not enough time for any of the good elements to take hold, and they're all the voting public would have known about was all the bad stuff in the short run. It would have been a disaster. And we, unfortunately, it's one of the reasons why we are dysfunctional and we have gridlock in this country because we don't have the patience to let anything work because we got another election to worry about. So there's no way between now and November of 2018 to revoke Obamacare, repeal Obamacare and not have massive short term problems that the news media and the Democratic Party would have been able to exploit with ease. And that's really why the vote, in my mind, that's the bottom line, why it went down. And um, and that's why moderates at the end couldn't even support this in the Republican Party, because the moderates are the ones that have the most difficult time getting reelected. The conservatives, well, they didn't like it because they thought the bill sucked. They're probably safe because they're mostly from safe districts. Otherwise, they wouldn't be super conservative. And Trump's threats about primarying these people were never legitimate. I wrote about that. That, that was a false threat, but most of Trump's threats are, are empty. But the reality is that this could never be done politically without taking an enormous risk. And I've said numerous times before that a lot of what's going on here is a basic math problem. This is a math equation that has no proper answer from the conservative perspective. And the reason why, one of the major reasons why it has no answer, is not just that it's a very complex issue. It's that when we started this debate over Obamacare, Obamacare wasn't a right yet. It was a privilege. Well, over the seven years, it's become a right. And you can't take away a right in this country without massive political damage. That's just not, that's the nature of our culture. It's the nature of our politics. It's the nature of our news media, especially when the news media is dead set against you. And when the 
the the parameters, the threshold, the standard by which any healthcare plan is measured is how many people have government funded health insurance. You're dead. It's over. We we've lost. We lost the debate. Because now you're playing on a field you can't win on. You cannot win on that field. And so frankly, not holding the vote was the best thing politically that the Republican Party could have done in the short run. Of course, if we lose the House in 2018, which we might do anyway, I still consider myself a Republican, although I don't know why, because I don't know what the hell Republicanism or conservatism means anymore, but I digress. But assuming the Republican Party loses the House in 2018, now it would be hard to lose the Senate based upon the map, but stranger things have happened. But assuming that happens, we could really easily be looking at, based upon Trump's tweets and his statements behind the scenes, at essentially a single-payer system, which is the liberals' wet dream. Right now, there's a long way to go. I see a scenario where Democrats are in the situation where they have to make a choice. And this is the choice in 2019. And how hilarious will this be? <laughs> and and I, I, I think there's a very good chance we end up here. Democrats take the House in two, 2019 and they have to make a decision. Do we impeach President Trump? Or in exchange for not impeaching him, do we get single-payer health care? That's where I think we're going to be. Thanks so much, Trumpsters. Thank you for that. Because that's what we're headed. Not, I, I can't predict that as of now, but that is a scenario that makes a heck of a lot of sense based upon where we currently are. That the Democratic Party will get to choose in 2019, do we impeach a Republican president or do we have him over a barrel and get him to agree to single-payer health care? Total socialized medicine. Because at that point, Obamacare will have disintegrated completely which would, of course, give the political will for there to be a massive change. See, part of why I feel sympathy and empathy for the Republican establishment and Paul Ryan is not only had Obamacare become a right, but we were also in a situation where the political will to change it had changed, partially because of the right issue, but also because it hasn't fully imploded yet. It's going to. But it hasn't fully imploded. So what Trump is saying, which actually makes some sense, especially considering the source, is that if you allow Obamacare to implode, then you'll have the political will to actually do something. The problem is, who's going to be calling the shots on what you're doing? And since Trump is no conservative, that's where things could get really scary, especially if Democrats take the House in 2018. From a Republican standpoint, here's where they're getting a bad rap. Because I heard this in the media a lot. Oh, they had seven years to come up with a plan. They promised this for seven years and they didn't even get a vote. All that's technically true. But here's an analogy. I love trying to come up with analogies to real life. Here's the analogy. Let's say that um, you are in love with a girl, right? And you lose her. Like we lost Obama, we lost an Obamacare in 2010 and she goes off with another guy and you vow you're going to win her back. Okay. 
That's your vow. I'm going to win that girl back. And you try for seven years, but you're never in a position to win her back. So you can't do it. She's still with somebody else. And you're, you're just not in a position to make that happen. In Trump's words, you might move on her hard like a bitch, but you just can't get there. You know? <laughs> so, you, so for seven years, you try. And you say, you, you vow, you're going to do everything you can to get her back. And then suddenly circumstances change. And she leaves the guy that she's with. And you're single too. And you have a chance to make a move and finally get this done. Except over that seven years, some things have changed. She's had a couple of kids. She's gained some weight. She's seven years older. Your, your world is different. Your values are different. The circumstances are different. Now, all of a sudden, you look at it and you go, well, I have a chance to kill Obamacare, but this actually is really complex. This is not as simple as it was going to be. What am I going to do about the kids? Are we going to get married? Are we just going to date? Do I still want this? So that's where the Republican Party was. Yeah, they've been promising this for seven years, but the circumstances have changed. Politically, people don't want to change yet because it hasn't fully imploded. So... That's the reality of this whole thing. And I, I'm, not an, I'm known as a pessimist, but I'm particularly not optimistic about where this is all going to lead. Which is partially why I'm so conflicted about the Trump presidency, even though it might not sound like I am. Because we need Trump to be at least somewhat successful. Because if he's a disaster, we're going to be, as I predicted numerous times during the election, we are going to be in so much of a worse situation than we would have been if even Hillary Clinton had been elected. That's where we're headed. We're not there yet. Long way to go. But that's where we're headed. Where we give up all of our principles, get almost nothing in return, and in a short period of time, we're way worse off politically as well as from a policy perspective than we would have been under Hillary because Hillary would have been impotent. Hillary could never think about getting single-payer health care through a Congress in a million years as long as we had 41 or anything close to that in the Senate. She would never try because she would know that it would be political suicide, especially under the current political dynamics. But Trump, Trump can get something like that done, especially if he's pissed off now that you know, Republicans abandon him in his mind. It's all about him. And let's say that, you know, he loses the midterm elections, as most presidents do. I, I can see Trump flipping in a heartbeat. I'm very capable of changing to anything I want to change to. Yeah, that's Donald Trump right there. Listen, remember that one, folks. I'm very capable of changing to anything I want to change to. Yeah, and when his incentives change... He changes and his incentives are getting very close to changing because whether he wants to realize this or not, whether his fans, his cult members understand this or not, he lost a testicle in this battle. No, he did. He lost. He didn't lose both. He lost a testicle. Uh, the, The reality is he is no longer feared. I mean, he threatened everybody on this and didn't even get a vote. Didn't even get a vote. So on what basis, going down the road here, is anyone going to be afraid of him? And since we now know he's no great negotiator, 
He even told Robert Costa, a reporter for the Washington Post, that he didn't realize that there's a difference between negotiating in business and negotiating in politics. Really? Who would have thought that one? Because it's a completely different animal. Completely different animal. Trump's mind can't work in more than one or two dimensions at the time. To get healthcare through, you have to think about this in seven or eight dimensional chess. He's a checkers player. It's obvious he's a checkers player. Everyone wants to give him credit for playing chess, but he's really just a checkers player. And not particularly good about it because he doesn't even think more than one move ahead. He thinks about what's good about for good for him on that day. That's it. Which which is maybe why he tweeted yesterday, watch Janine Pirro's show on Fox News Channel tonight at 9 p.m. What the hell is that? We got the President of the United States doing commercials now for weekend cable news shows. And what happens at the beginning of that show? Now, there had been a lot of speculation that she was going to come forward with some startling, stunning revelation that supposedly backs him up on his absurd wiretapping claim that everyone has repudiated, including the FBI director this week. I even wrote about it for media. You can find that column at freespeechbroadcasting.com. So what happens? Piero, at the beginning of the show, calls for Paul Ryan to resign as speaker. Now, in a rational world, Oxum's razor is Trump knew this was going to happen and wanted people to see it, wanted to draw attention to it. Now they're saying, no, 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 no. That was just a coincidence. So then why the hell did you do a commercial on Twitter for for the show? And, and shouldn't you say that publicly? Shouldn't you condemn Janine Pirro, who is in a very heated competition with Sean Hannity to see who can get farther up Donald Trump's sphincter at Fox News Channel. I mean, it is a tough battle. I mean, they they are really fighting each other, Pirro and Hannity, to see who can get further up his butthole and kiss his ass. But shouldn't you, if that's if this was just a bizarre coincidence, shouldn't you say, hey, I, I disagree with Janine Pirro? No, none of that. So Trump's trying to have it both ways. He wants his cult base to go, oh, yeah, this was Ryan's fault. Ryan duped our genius hero. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on a second. I thought your your guy's the president of the United States. His whole deal is negotiations, knowing people, being savvy, being a winner. He couldn't figure out what Ryan was doing? Seriously? Seriously. It's just flat out ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> but this is where we are with the cult. So this leads me then to the the second biggest news story of the week, which is the James Comey hearing. Amazing that we've already forgotten (laughs) that the FBI director, who, by the way, was credited with Trump's election and not irrationally so because of how he treated the Hillary Clinton investigation. But just a few days ago, the FBI director went in front of Congress on national television and said, yep, we are involved in an ongoing investigation of the Trump campaign colluding with Russia on what happened in the presidential election. And there have been numerous leaks that indicate that, yeah, this isn't just circumstantial. This isn't just a whole lot of smoke. That there appears to be some fire here. Now, I've been skeptical of the fire. 
I've been amazed by how much smoke there is. And I've been startled by Trump's reaction to the smoke, which is certainly consistent with a guy who's afraid that there's actually fire. But I haven't seen any real fire yet. And one of the things that Comey did was, oh, by the way, those wiretapping claims that Trump made, total bullcrap. Yeah, total bullcrap. He didn't use the word bullcrap, but he might as well have. <laughs> I kept I kept wanting someone to ask uh, James Comey, um, Director Comey, do you believe that the President of the United States is a pathological liar or is he just fucking nuts? I mean, <laughs> because because that was the that was the underlying premise of the whole thing. But the whole Obama wiretapped me at Trump Tower deal, Comey said, "Yeah, we looked into this and um and we laughed." That that's effectively what he said. That didn't stop California Congressman Devin Nunez from dramatically claiming that he had evidence that sort of, kind of, not really, vindicated Trump on this whole claim, which Trump himself referred to as having somewhat vindicated him. But this was done under really bizarre circumstances. His own staff lost track of where he was for hours when he found out this alleged information. I mean, this is like cloak and dagger, bad movie stuff. The, the congressman goes missing out of a out of an Uber. They have no idea where he is, and all of a sudden, he comes back with this secret information, allegedly showing that members of the Trump team may have been under surveillance tangentially because they were in contact with Russian officials. So it was the Russian officials who were under surveillance, but they just happened to get caught up in it. Now, the first thing you got to know about this is how bizarre is it that the President of the United States is trumpeting information that his own people were caught in surveillance of Russian spies? This is somehow good? But this is, it's all about his ego. It's all about his ego. He just wants his original lie about the wiretapping to somehow be vindicated. He doesn't care about the implications because all he cares about is today. He doesn't care about tomorrow. It's about his ego and self-gratification today. And even if what Nunez is saying is correct, Trump being vindicated, and this is the analogy I made on Twitter, Trump feeling vindicated by what Nunez said is like a weatherman who claimed that it had snowed in San Diego, claiming to be vindicated in that ludicrous claim because we find out that it may have rained in San Francisco. That's that's the level of vindication here. Trump claims it snowed in San Diego, and a Republican congressman says, well, he's vindicated because we have information that indicates it might have rained in San Francisco. That's what we're dealing with. That's a pretty darn good analogy, by the way. I give that one a nine on the Ziegler 10 scale of analogies. Now, as far as this smoke versus fire thing, I'm a big believer that you can read the tea leaves if you're looking carefully and with an open mind. And a couple of things happened this week that indicate to me that we're starting to see fire. And bizarrely, though typical for the Trump administration, everything is freaking bizarre. Bizarrely, I think one of the possible, I want to underline possible, 
because it could be complete bull crap and be a total coincidence, much like Trump's tweet about Janine Pirro. Or this could be the key to understanding the whole case. Comes from a headline on the front page of the, wait for it, National Enquirer. And you're like, Zig, what are you talking about? How could the National Enquirer be the key to understanding this? Well, let's just do some simple math. The National Enquirer this week has a headline. Trump, I don't, this is not the exact headline because I don't have it in front of me, but it's effectively Trump finds his Russian spy. And it's referring to him having gotten rid of former National Security Advisor Mike Flynn. Okay, now, when I saw this, chills literally went down my spine because here's the way I look at it. Not that the National Enquirer is credible. That's not the issue. The issue is the National Enquirer is a voice piece for Donald Trump. They'll publish anything he wants. And so if they are trying to spin this narrative that it was Trump who got rid of Flynn because he's a Russian spy and it's on the front page in blaring headlines, which is also very important in being able to interpret what the National Enquirer does. They don't do that by accident. You can get a whole lot of bullshit stories within the National Enquirer, but if it's on the front page in the big headline, there's a reason whether it's to sell papers or, in this case, they're doing something for Trump. And if that's where he's going to start spinning this narrative, that Trump got rid of Flynn because he's a Russian spy, why would that happen? The the most obvious Oxum's Razor explanation is Trump knows he's fucked. And the only way to survive it is to flip it around and make himself the hero that somehow he was infiltrated, his campaign was infiltrated without his knowledge with de facto Russian spies, the the, the most prominent of which somehow he got duped into hiring as his national security advisor before getting wind of this and having the courage to fire him and remove the Russian spy from the White House. Now, if this was isolated, I would say, you know what? Maybe this is just a weird coincidence. Maybe the National Enquirer just decided to do this on their own. Maybe this, you know, who knows? That, that's certainly possible, and it still is, except for something else that Sean Spicer did this week. Sean Spicer, on multiple occasions, told the press that Paul Manafort who has extreme ties to Russia and Putin in the, and it was paid millions and millions of dollars directly and indirectly by forces very close and supportive of Putin. That Paul Manafort was somebody who was a minor player in the Trump campaign. A minor player who was only involved for a very short time. That's almost a direct quote from Press Secretary Sean Spicer to the press. Do you know who Paul Manafort was? Paul Manafort was the campaign chairman. He was the head of the entire campaign during the critical period during which Trump clinched 
the Republican nomination. Now, for the president's press secretary on national television to have the gall to claim that Manafort is a minor player who, who we barely knew. We barely even knew the guy who was there for a short period of time. That doesn't happen by accident, folks. That happens by design. You, you, that's not shading the truth. That's working in your own reality. Okay? So that can only happen when somebody is doing it for a specific purpose. And what would be the specific purpose? You need to isolate yourself from Paul Manafort as much as possible. Not, ju- not just from a political problem, because that's why Manafort got fired during the campaign. It was a week after some of these Russian-related allegations came out. No, no, this is more than that. This is consistent with, consistent with there being a real fire. Again, I'm not willing yet to say, I know there's fire. But when you take all this smoke, and you take Trump's reaction to all of it, and you take the National Enquirer trying to claim that Trump is the one getting rid of the Russian spies, and you got Sean Spicer claiming who? Paul Manafort? Never knew the guy, even though he was the head of the campaign. There's something there. there, Especially now that we have the FBI on record saying, yep, we're fully investigating it. And holy hypocrisy, Batman. Remember when, I'm old enough to remember this, maybe you aren't. Remember when Sean Hannity and Donald Trump told us that having a president of the United States under FBI investigation would be a constitutional crisis? the type of which we could never survive. Well, guess what? That's what we got now. And it's a much more serious investigation than some stupid email server where there's no evidence whatsoever. I mean, I mean, the, I mean, the worst allegation against Hillary for her email server never alleged collusion with a foreign enemy on her campaign. Um, but that's what's being alleged. And again, we don't have proof of that yet, but we're starting to get close and, you know, the liberals were all excited yesterday on Twitter. Oh, my God. Oh, you can almost, you know, the, almost the, the sounds were almost sexual uh, when uh, coming uh, emanating from the tweets because a Harvard professor who is a CNN analyst has said that, and this was very vaguely worded. It was not, it did not warrant the freak out that it provoked. But she said that there are indications that she's getting that Mike Flynn may have flipped on Donald Trump to the FBI. Now, you know, my blink reaction, just total blink reaction, probably not true. Because I think if it was true, this is not the way that, that we would learn about it. But it's possible. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying my, my gut reaction is... If that was really true, would we be finding out about it in this way? I doubt it. Although this is a credible person who theoretically would have these kind of contacts. And, of course, the key word is may have. Why would it be may have flipped? Wouldn't If he's flipped, people would know that by this point. But when you connect, see, now what I don't know is, is it possible that the National Enquirer, people are interpreting the National Enquirer headline the same way I am? And now they're extrapolating and they're getting they're getting some semblance of information that's consistent with Flynn having flipped on Trump. 
and now they're, you know, they're adding two plus two and they're getting five. That's certainly possible. Because in my mind, when I saw the report about the possible flip, I immediately went back to the National Enquirer headline. Holy coincidence, Batman. Wait a minute. That, those two things seem very consistent with one another. Especially when you consider the fact that the National Enquirer is basically a voice box for Donald Trump. So we got that going on, uh, which is bizarro world. And, um, you know, I, I don't know 100% what the reality is. I don't, I don't think anybody does. I do know that it's never going to lead to anything substantive unless there's an actual criminal charge, which, boy, that would take some massive balls by James Comey. Uh, but uh, unless we get down that road, or let's say Trump decides to fire Comey, something like that, unless that occurs, then I don't see a mechanism for how this causes any dramatic change unless and until the Democrats take the House in 2018, because then impeachment's on the table. Donald Trump is never going to resign, never going to do anything on his own and never going to be impeached while the Republican Party is in control of the House and the Senate. That's just never, ever going to happen unless something occurs where his approval ratings are in the teens. That's just never going to happen, especially given the cult-like nature of his following, which is showing no signs of abating. Now, I'm still hopeful. At this point, I'm reducing my even my low expectations for the Trump presidency. Let's get Gorsuch through to the Supreme Court. I think that's very doable. Let's get some halfway decent tax cuts. And frankly, uh, you know, if we can get some extra border security, if, if those three things happen at this point, give me Gorsuch, some decent tax cuts, and increased border security that's legitimate, not just Trump talking out of his backside to, to placate the, the cult base, I'll be thrilled. I'll be thrilled. Then do nothing else. Of course, that's not where he's going to stop because he's a liberal con man and he's going to want to be loved and we're going to get a massive infrastructure bill because he's going to need something to run on for re-election uh, and, and in the midterm elections. But there is no question that Trump's ability to get things done has been greatly diminished by this week. I said time and time again, I've never in my lifetime seen an administration where the first 100 days, I know that's cliche, but that first honeymoon period was more important. He needed positive momentum. Had he shown himself to be presidential, he had an enormous opportunity here because the expectations were so freaking low. All he had to do was not crap himself, and people thought, oh, how presidential. And if he had been presidential, had he been focused, had he used the honeymoon period to get a few important things done, created positive momentum, shown people that he wasn't a crackpot, that he was serious, then he could have been really successful. That opportunity is gone now. That's been squandered. So now he's a weakened president with only one really working testicle politically. This Russian thing may may rip off the second testicle, depending on where it goes. And I'm not sure what he's going to be able to get done. Because he... Because what's really most likely to occur is once he realizes this is the situation, 
he's going to get even less presidential than he's already been. And we're going to have a downward spiral. I mean, Obamacare is in a death spiral. Trump is very likely to psychologically get into a death spiral. He's not there yet, partially because he's so delusional. He doesn't realize the situation he's in. But there's a very good chance of that end up being the case. Uh, I want to make sure, as I always do, to, to um, that I reference all the columns that I wrote for Mediate this week. I've already made uh, reference to the Janine Pirro column where I predicted that she, her report last night on Fox News Channel was going to be complete bullcrap, which it was. You can find that at freespeechbroadcasting.com. I also wrote one on the hypocrisy that the James Comey uh, testimony evoked on both sides. Both sides. Everybody was a hypocrite in their reaction to that. I'm more offended by the conservative hypocrisy because can you imagine if Hillary Clinton had been elected and Comey had been testifying in front of Congress that she was under investigation for her campaign being in collusion with the Russians? My God. My God. What difference at this point does it make? The, the re, yeah, that <laughs> that's what Republicans are now saying. That's how pathetic Republicans have gotten. We're the ones saying. What difference at this point does it make? <laughs> Had it been Hillary, we would have been apoplectic. Every day would have been impeachment talk. 24-7. But we're all just a bunch of freaking hypocrites who sold out for Donald Trump? Seriously? If you're going to sell out, at least sell out for something halfway decent. But instead, we sold everything. We sold everything for Donald Trump. And the hypocrisy uh, that was evoked, again, on both sides, because the Democrats are hypocrites here, too. Absolute hypocrites. They're the ones that suddenly care about Russia? (laughs) Are you serious? After eight years of Obama? Now we're supposed to believe that Russia is a, a mortal enemy? And that this is a horrendous thing to have been communicating with Russian officials during the campaign? Come on. Seriously. You guys are a bunch of hypocrites, too. So that's another column I wrote. Um, I also wrote a column about the Tommy Lahren situation at at the Blaze where she got suspended. And it's now being reported, and I don't know if this is true. I have no inside information, even though I had recently been in Dallas and spent the whole day with Glenn Beck and all the the great guys there at the Blaze. Uh, So I have no inside information, but it's now being reported that she's been permanently banned from the Blaze. I don't know if that's true or not. Wouldn't surprise me based upon, you know, my reading of the tea leaves. But, uh, you know, she had made an appearance on The View, suddenly came out as pro-choice out of nowhere, uh, which was bizarre even by modern media standards. And I wrote a column about that for media, which you can find at uh, freespeechbroadcasting.com. I also wrote a column about the Graham Spanier verdict, which uh, came down this week, a trial that I attended, which in hour number two, we go into extraordinary, and I mean extraordinary detail, in a way you will never hear anywhere else, in a way that in a rational world, which of course doesn't exist, would have blown up the entire case and still would today with an FIS special agent, now retired, who investigated the entire so-called Penn State scandal and specifically Grand Spanier and found no cover-up and no indication that there was anything to cover up, which is what I've been saying for many years now in that whole case. But I wrote a, a column about having attended the trial and why the conviction for the misdemeanor happened. Uh, that was for law news. And you can find that also uh, at freespeechbroadcasting.com as well as framingpaterno.com. 
which is where you can find everything you could possibly ever want to know about the uh, mythological Penn State scandal. That's framingpaterno.com. So please make sure you listen to our number two to that interview with John Snedden because it really is amazing, amazing stuff. I had promised last week, not that anyone cares, <laughs> that I would, I would talk about the fact that uh, my 50th birthday is about to come up in a couple of days this week. And that this would give me an opportunity to be a little bit more introspective about the nature of life and what I've learned in my first half century. Because it was such a huge news week uh, and because uh, of the nature of our interview with John Snedden and because of what I anticipate coming up this week, I'm going to hold off on that until after I've actually turned 50. So I'm going to do that next week. Maybe, maybe turning 50 will give me some greater insight that I didn't previously have. And I'll be able to share with that with you on next week's show. Of course, that's with a caveat. And the caveat is that in conjunction with my 50th birthday, my wife is about to give birth at any moment. In fact, she's going to see her her mother today. And this really startled me. She took my four-year-old daughter with her, and they both packed up for the trip to go see her mother in Glendale, which is about an hour from where we live in Southern California, as if she was going to the hospital to give birth. I'm like, oh my God, this is really happening. Because, you know, and I, I don't really blame her because she's got to make sure she's got all the bases covered just in case, just in case this happens. We have to make sure that uh, we're ready to go. And uh, so that that could happen and could curtail uh, next week's show. My gut tells me it won't. I'm hopeful that it won't because it's a little bit before her due, her due date, but due date's as a male, you know, you think of the due date as, as being um, you know, an actual meaningful, specific thing. It's really not. I mean, apparently it's, it's, it's just basically um, a guesstimate as to the month that you're likely to give birth, give or take a couple of weeks. So, so we're on baby watch. So if you don't hear a podcast next week, that's the reason. Uh, but at some point very soon, that will probably curtail at least one, if not two weeks of this podcast. So make sure you enjoy it while you have it. And as always, I only ask really two things of you. And they're two simple things. The first is that you please share this podcast with other people who you think might enjoy it, whether that's via Twitter or Facebook or word of mouth, whatever it is, because that's really the, the, the most significant way that people are going to ever hear about this. I do this for free. I do this simply because I think I have something important to say and no one else is saying it from the conservative perspective in this era of Trump, the King. Uh, and so that's why I do it. I don't know how much longer we're going to continue to do it, hopefully into the future, but while you have it, make sure you share it. And also uh, the second thing is do yourself a favor. And if you're one of those people who say you sleep at night and when you sleep, you use sheets, listen to this important message. My name is John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Ugh, like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed. Ever. These sheets are mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. <laughs> performance bedding? <laughs> yeah. They're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh. No wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. <laughs> well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like, mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should, oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> 
comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212.